But we're looking now, we're still looking at the Beatitudes. And if you want to turn in your Bible to Matthew 5, Matthew 5, we are looking at the next Beatitude, the fifth Beatitude. I want you to keep your Bibles open because there is, is something in here. As I was sitting uh, uh, down here, uh, the Lord spoke to me about something. Uh, and I'll, I'll share that with you right now. Uh, well, in just a minute. But we're looking at blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. If you look that word up, you will find that it is uh, better defined or better described as compassion. Compassion. Blessed are the compassionate, for they will receive compassion. Now we've looked at the poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek, and the hunger for righteousness. These are the steps into a relationship with God. And a relationship through Jesus Christ, uh, realizing that we are nothing, we have nothing, we can do nothing, and, but Christ can't. Then realizing that the, the, the uh, terribleness of sin and how it nailed Christ to the cross and we mourn over our sin. And then we come to Christ humbly, meekly, we approach him, the Bible says that he resists the proud. We do not come to God Almighty with pride. We set that aside. And then when we've entered into that relationship with Jesus Christ, we have this hunger and thirst for righteousness. We want to live the way that he wants us to live. We have a hunger for the word of God. We have a, a, a thirst to be with Christ. And now... After all of this, all of this, the character of Christ, the person of Christ begins to flow through us, come through us, and we become merciful. We become compassionate. We see the people as Christ sees the people. We weep over the sin of the world. We weep over the poverty of of the world. Uh, I was talking to Israel uh, this past week who went to Honduras and he said we saw just unbelievable poverty. Unbelievable poverty. All around these churches. All around these churches. And he said my heart just, just broke. This is the compassion that Christ gives us. One thing that Jim Cimbala said that, I, that, that reverberates with me is that he said, listen friends, we, we need to understand who our enemy is. It, it's not people. It's not the Muslims. It, it, it's not the, the murderers and the rapists and all. First of all, Satan is our enemy. And he said, Jesus looks upon the crowd and is moved with compassion. And that's the type of compassion that we're to have to see people 
as Christ sees people. One of my prayers is, uh, Lord, let me hate what you hate and love what you hate. Let me... Oh, yeah. Let me hate what you hate and love what you love. Excuse me. I'm, thank you for that correction. I don't, want to get, I don't want to get too far on that. But then, as I was sitting here this morning and, and we were singing and all, Christ reminded me, the, the Spirit spoke to me, and He said, you know, um, I've said all of this in a prayer. What? He said the Lord's Prayer. You think about it. So turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew 6, 9. Now, understand me, the Lord said this. Pray then like this. Now, I know some people that pray the Lord's Prayer, and there's nothing wrong with that, but He gave us an outline of how to pray. An outline how to pray. This is Jesus teaching us how to pray. Now, let me tell you something. Saturday, we've got a, a man that's going to help us in our prayer life. We have a conference, a web conference that's going to take place here in this auditorium. Daniel Henderson, who has written many books about prayer and led, led churches in prayer, is going to be teaching us starting at 9 o'clock. And uh, there's a sign-up sheet outside, and I ask you to sign up uh, after church uh, if you're going to participate. But listen to this. Why don't, we, why don't we say it together? I mean, most of us know it. Our Father, who art in heaven... Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us of our debts as we forgive those, uh, our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, uh, there is another part in another passage where it says, For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. But that's not what he uh, shared right here. Now, prayer was so important in the life of Jesus that later on, his disciples, even though, hey, let me, let me tell you. Okay. He preached this magnificent sermon. You can read through it in about 25 minutes, okay? It's not that long. I'm sure it was longer. But written down and reading it, it's not that long. It's like the, the sermon at Pentecost, and Peter is, I mean, you can read it in, in, out loud in, in about three or four minutes. That's it. But these disciples were just like you and me. Because later on, the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. And the Lord had said in this sermon how to pray. We don't remember what the preacher says on Sunday. Very few do. I mean, I don't even remember what I say. I mean, th th these guys had heard this magnificent message, and later on they say, Lord, teach us to pray. And what did he do? He went back to the model prayer and say, pray this way. But this, the, key, the key sentence or the key phrase is here. Your kingdom come... Your will be done. 
Your kingdom come, your will be done. Have you prayed that? Have you prayed that? That's a dangerous prayer, my friends. When you say, your kingdom come in my life. I want to tell you what. Your life might be stirred up. It might be turned upside down. Because you may not be doing God's will. You may be doing your will, and all of a sudden, you're open to the, to the place that, God, I want to do your will. One thing that Jim Cimbala said to us who were there, he said, spend time with Jesus, find out what He wants you to do, and just do it. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Sounds pretty good. Spend time with Jesus. Hear what He wants you to do. And do it. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. That's profoundly simple. And yet we want to make it so profoundly complex. I don't know about that, you know. You know, you know. I, I've had people say, you mean all I have to do is receive Jesus as my Savior? I don't have to do anything else. I don't, I don't have to climb the Himalayas. I don't have to give 20% of my money. I don't have to do this. Profoundly simple. 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 And yet we make it so that compassion, mercy. Let me give you just a, a couple of examples, a few examples of compassion or mercy. It's found in the Bible. One happens to be deal with Abraham. Remember Abraham? He had a nephew. Anybody remember his name? Lot. Lot. And Lot did a lot. He did a lot of stupid things, let me tell you. One day, the shepherds were fighting over the, the grass and feeding the the sheep, Lot had a bunch of sheep and Abraham had a bunch of sheep and Abraham took him up on a hill and he said, listen son, uh, choose whatever you want. Let, let's stop this, this fighting among our shepherds and choose whatever you want. And Lot looked over the, the deal and said, huh, I'll take the best. I'll take the best. So Abraham consented and he said, go. So he went and he pitched his tents toward Sodom. There he was eventually ended up in, in Sodom. But something happened. A band of marauders, a band of raiders uh, came in and took Lot and some of the people and took, their, took the family and took their possessions and, and w w went off with them. And the word came to Abraham that uh, his nephew Lot had been kidnapped and taken away. And what did Abraham have to do? What did he do? Call the sheriff? The FBI? He said, well, you know, I mean, Lot did his thing. It's his problem. No, he didn't do it. He forgave Lot. He saddled up. I literally saddled up, okay. They got on their horses. They saddled up got their swords, 
got their AK-47, got their Colt 45s, and they had it out. And they retrieved Lot and retrieved all of this. That was compassion. That was mercy. He had forgiven his nephew Lot. Then we fast forward a little bit. What about Joseph and his brothers? Joseph was sold into slavery, sent off to Egypt. And his brothers showed up in Egypt. What did he do? He forgave them. He helped them. He brought them into Egypt. That, my friends, is mercy. That's compassion. What about David? David was being hunted down by Saul. Pursued. Saul wanted to kill him. There were two times that David could have killed Saul. One in a cave and one time when he went into the camp and stood right over Saul, he could have, he could have put a spear through his heart. And yet David did, would not do it. He said, I will not touch the Lord's anointing. Forgiveness, compassion. But I guess the greatest compassion that it, that's, that's exemplified is Christ Himself. First of all, God. For God so loved us that He gave His only begotten Son, Jesus, to die upon the cross. And whoever believed in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. God had compassion on His creation, that is us, and He sent His Son to die on the cross. But as you look to the ministry of Jesus, I, I love I the, the things that, you know, Jesus never passed up or never let a funeral procession pass Him. Because when they brought the dead bodies by, what did Jesus do? Hey, rise up and walk. When Jesus passed by the lame man, what did He do? Took him by the hand and lifted him up. When he saw a blind man, what did he do? Well, one time he spit and made some mud and put it on his, on his eyes. and He saw again. Compassion. Compassion. The Bible says often that Jesus was moved with compassion when he looked over the crowd. Last night, Senator and I, yesterday afternoon, uh, were at a wedding. And I was sitting there thinking how many of these know the Lord and how many of these will ever know the Lord. I was moved with compassion. Part of compassion is forgiveness. Part of compassion is reaching out, it's action. I love that song we just sang today, uh, uh, Sally didn't know that I had put this in my sermon, but I, I love this. It said, years I spend vanity and pride, caring not that my Lord was crucified, knowing not that it was for me He died on Calvary. Mercy was great, and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. Mercy and compassion found in Jesus. So if Jesus showed mercy, should we show mercy to others? 
What's your answer to that? Yes, I heard somebody say yes. That's the right answer. Okay, you get an A today. Listen to this. The Christian who is merciful and is dealing with others will receive merciful treatment at the hands of his fellows. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. By your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Proverbs 21, 21 says this, He who pursues righteousness and mercy finds life and righteousness and honor. Proverbs eleven seventeen says this, The one who shows mercy to others gains personally. The merciful man does himself good. And in Proverbs 14, 21, it says this, he who has mercy on the poor, happy is he. Now would you know, would you know that after I read this and after I wrote this, that the next day I was in a place that had people sitting on the streets begging. What was I supposed to do? What was I supposed to do? Just walk past them. I didn't have much money, but I did give what money I had. I, I couldn't read that and walk around them. I, I, I couldn't walk down the street with an ice cream cone in my hand and look down and see a poor woman begging. I wasn't going to give her my ice cream, but uh, the exercise of mercy and compassion is a Source of satisfaction to God Himself. Listen to what Micah 7.18 says. He delights, He delights in mercy. So as we look at mercy and compassion, we must look at ourselves. Do I show mercy to others? Do I forgive others? I said this before, forgiveness is part of compassion. Forgiveness is part of mercy. Is there someone that I have not forgiven? Do I have unforgiveness toward someone? Listen, the Bible says, He who covers his sin will not prosper. Maybe in here there are some of you that are not prospering in spirit, and maybe not even prospering physically because you have unforgiveness towards someone. He who covers his sin will not prosper. I heard Adrian Rogers say, when we uncover our sin to God, God covers our sin. Did you get that? When we uncover our sin, when we confess our sin, when we open ourselves to admit that we are sinful, that we have committed sin, then God forgives us. God forgets it. God covers it. In Jude 21, the saints of God are encouraged to be waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. Waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ 
to eternal life. In other words, we should be full of mercy, waiting for the mercy of Christ when He comes back. Mercy was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. God shows His mercy to us. Jesus shows His mercy to us. Let me ask you something. Have you unforgiveness in your life? And confess it. Is there someone that you might need to go to and ask them to forgive you or tell them that you forgive them? Do you need to be more giving? Not only forgiving, but more giving. Giving to others. Giving to the Lord. Are you looking for the return of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? How are you walking with Him? Are you loving Him? I'll never forget hearing one tell of his little daughter. He said he walked by his little daughter's room and his daughter was three years old. And she was sitting in a chair in her room. Now, I don't know if you know about three-year-olds, but they don't ordinarily sit in a chair for any, any length of time, okay? And so he walked by once and he saw her sitting there. He walked by again and he saw her sitting there and he got a little concerned. And finally, after a few minutes, he walked in and he knelt down beside her and put his arm around her and said, Darling, are you okay? I, I notice you're just sitting here. And she said, Yes, Daddy, I'm okay. He said, Well, what are you doing? She said, I'm just loving Jesus. I'm just loving Jesus. When was the last time you just sat and loved Jesus? Jim Simbola tells a story about himself that he was under extreme stress stress and things that were happening at the church, thing, his uh, speaking, uh, traveling too much. and He just one day left his office there at the church and went home. He said, in our home we have a, an upper room. He said, I went up there in that upper room and for seven hours I just sat there. Sit there waiting for Jesus to show up. And he said he did show up. He said in a beautiful, marvelous way, the Lord Jesus just showed up in that room that day. And took his burdens away. Took his stress away. Took the worries away. And I, I, I'll tell you right now, if we don't spend time with, with the Lord Jesus, how can He take those away? How can He minister to us if we're so busy running here and there? We never get the touch of Jesus. Take time and be with Him. Take time to be with the Lord. I want to tell you, one of my most refreshing times that I... I have during the week 
is a time of prayer. On Tuesday nights, there are some nights that I, I come in and I'm so tired. I'm just worn out. And we get together and we start praying and the Spirit of God begins to move and it re-energizes my life. We have a small group that meets at 9 o'clock before church. We spend time in prayer and speaking with the Lord and being with people who, who speak to the Lord and love the Lord re-energizes me. When you're with the Lord, His grace and His mercy and His compassion and His love just overflows and strengthens you and lifts you up. Take time. Take time to be with the Lord. It was said of John Wesley's mother who had a bunch of kids. Just a bunch of them. I don't know how many, but there were a lot of them. He said her quiet time was sitting in a chair with her apron over her head. That's the only time she could kind of shut it off. You may not have an upper room. You may not have a room where you can... The bathroom is a good place. You can lock it. You can sit there. Or you can kneel there. Take time to be with the Lord. And say, God, have mercy. And give me mercy. Have mercy on me. Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ personally? Have you met Him personally? The Bible says that the gift of God is eternal life. The gift of God. And we read in Ephesians where it says, For by grace we are saved through faith and not of ourselves, lest any man should boast. Have you received the free gift of eternal life? The Bible says that we're to repent, we're to turn away from our old self, turn away from the way that we are going and receive the gift of eternal life which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you know Him? Do you have that gift? Do you have that capacity, capacity to be merciful? You don't unless you know Him. Do you know Him? We're going to offer an invitation and if you need the Lord Jesus Christ, we invite you to come and receive Him. Maybe there are some of you that have drifted away. You've gone your own way, but you need to come back and you need to rededicate your life to Christ. Or maybe there are some here who would like to be a part of our church. You would like to unite with our church. We're offering an invitation for you to do so. Jesus said, if you confess me before men... I will confess you before my heavenly Father. And I picture that in my mind. As I talk about Jesus, as I speak about Jesus, I see Jesus turning to His Father. You see, Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. And I talk about Jesus. I'm going to tell you, yesterday at this wedding, I talked about Jesus. I shared Jesus. I, this is what God wanted me to do. 
And I told them without Jesus, you're not going to have an easy marriage. I told them you had to have Jesus at the center of your life and the center of your wedding or your, your marriage. But as I did that, I pictured in my mind that as I was speaking about Jesus here on earth, Jesus turned to his heavenly Father and said, Lynn Sasser, Lynn Sasser, Lynn Sasser. He's speaking my name. Oh, I, I wish, I, I hope that's true. That's what I picture in my mind and what was going on. Will you confess Christ openly, publicly? Stand up, stand up for Jesus, you soldiers of the cross. Will you do so? As we stand now for our hymn of invitation, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to lead us in a prayer. And may God give you the boldness to step forward and do so. Father God, I pray for those today that need to make a decision publicly. They need to step forward. They need to proclaim you as their Lord and Savior. They need to come back to you and uh, repent and, and, and get right with you and have the compassion and the mercy of Christ in their life day in and day out. Lord, I pray for them. I pray for them. Maybe there's some here that have publicly confessed their faith in Christ, but they need to be baptized. I pray for them. Whoever it may be, dear Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. If